Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Billy Joel A to Z. Today, joining us on the podcast, a very successful comedian who for the past two decades has been working with the great Bill Maher and currently is writing on Real Time, which is on every Friday night on HBO. Please welcome Danny Vermont, everybody. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. When we first started doing, when the idea, when I said to Elon, are you interested in doing something like this? And, uh, you know, then when we decided we would do it alphabetically, which was, of course, insane. Uh, I in the back of my head, I was saying to myself, gee, I hope Danny Vermont's OK with this, because I swear to God, I kept thinking you're going to be like, you're not you're not put up when we're doing a Billy. Jo- How dare you even talk to me like this? Because Danny, in my mind, is the end all of everything Billy Joel. And I was afraid to tell him we even had the nerve and the audacity to do a podcast. No, I love it. I think it's awesome, and I'm I'm happy to be. Well, I know you don't have the time to do something like this, so that's why it's fine. But I just I was I was like, well, we have to have him on multiple times because Danny is a a, a humongous Billy Joel fan. As uh, no, and it's no, no, funny no. that you you went A to Z because I that because when I looked at the B's, like it was crazy because the B's. Okay, should we get right into the B's? Yeah, sure. Because yeah. we we've only done the A's and B's so far, so this is perfect. So I looked at the B's, all of the B's except for Big Shot. Big Shot is a classic, you know, staple Billy Joel song. The rest of them are tributes, you know, because you've, you've got Back in the USSR, which is just a Beatles song. But then you've got Baby Grand. Right. Oh, right. Okay, so Tribute. that's a total Ray Charles song. Excellent point. He wrote, he not only wrote it for Ray Charles, they recorded it together. Ballad of Billy the Kid. It's classical. We haven't done that yet because it's the ballad of Billy. The oh King. shit! Yeah. All oh, those are in the tees. Yeah. This was a big debate we had. A oh, big well, debate. no, I think you're probably. Which I'm still pretty angry about. I think ballad of Billy, Billy the Kid and Down Easter Alexa should be in the D's, but they're all the. Oh well, the thes are going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and then a big man on Mulberry Street. I thought that's kind of a sting song. We put that on the in the M's. I'm kidding. I'm kidding about that one. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And then Blonde Over Blue is a Blonde Over Blue, which I hadn't heard in years. I had to listen to it this morning. We were we just finished that one, and we can't believe how rediscovering it. We I don't even know whether I ever heard it before. We loved it. It's a Christie song. It and in fact, I looked some of it up, and some of the original notes from that song were in Uptown Girl but ended up in that song. And it's so it makes perfectly good sense. It's like, I'm all uptight, the the psycho sound effects with the, and then blonde over blue. I'm blue, she's blonde, boom. Yeah, Yeah, it was another Christie song. Yeah, yeah, we we spoke about that too, because at this point now, I can't sing that song in my head without going to the Uptown Girl change. Right. He's, there's there's footage of him doing it on the piano. And now with that, that one, note that changes it to uptown girl that's what's in my head now it's a disaster but it's funny because that song i kind of had almost forgotten about the song like i had to you know i had to do it to memorize it and then i'm like wow what a great song yeah it's a real hidden gem and it, it reminds me of something like all for lena which we like so much and is it has that weird schizophrenic energy to it yeah definitely one of the ones we that i rediscovered you know i'm, ma- I'm making a new 
playlist with the ones I've rediscovered that aren't like mm-hmm. hits. So Ain't No Crime is one oh. that uh, we came across that uh, I, of course, I've heard a hundred times, but didn't know what it was maybe called. Right. And, and but we also decided that he at the very beginning of it, that he ripped off the theme from Maud. That's so funny because I watched two episodes <laughs> of Maud last night. I'm not making this up. And I was really digging that beginning of that theme. And yeah, it's right. It's right. Do, 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 and the Blossom theme. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so true. That is so hilarious. So we were just like making fun. I'm like, this guy's sitting around the first time they air. And he's like, boy, this is great. Yeah, that's, I not bad. that's not bad. <laughs> how, long did, how long did this Maud show last? <laughs> no one will remember Maud. They'll only remember Piano Man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Elon was going to ask the, of course, the ultimate question of, go ahead. <laughs> this, is, this is a tough one for you. How did you become a Billy Joel fan? <laughs> we have to start off with that. Oh, yeah. You know, now I think, you know, when I was a kid, I heard things like Piano Man and Ballad of Billy the Kid on the radio, but I didn't know it was Billy Joel. Because those were getting a little bit of play and they were around. I think the first time I remember being like, who is this guy was when Moving Out came out, like in 1978. It was right around the time I was getting bar mitzvah, too. It was all happening at the same time. And I remember just being like, wow, what, who is this guy? And then before you know it, he was on Saturday Night Live uh, that same year. Right. Wasn't that the one where he missed his high school reunion to be on that show? That is amazing. It's, a, it's the greatest story ever because like, and I think he dropped out of high school too. And then on his high school reunion, he was the musical guest on Saturday Night Live. Wait, it gets better. It was also the episode where Chevy Chase came back and got in a fist fight with Bill Murray in the dressing room. Oh, I didn't right know that was the, the same episode. Wow. Same episode. Yeah. Oh, so wow. I would love to. That would be one of my first questions to Billy Joel if I ever got a chance to sit down with did him. he see yeah. the the alleged oh fight, it happened which, which it, has it been happened. blown out of proportion though I, I i think so but uh i or you know was the was there energy or did you know anything about it what was going on they probably they probably were separate from that anyway but uh well actually i'm not so sure i actually read that because belushi was on the show then right so that i heard yeah. that belushi and billy joel were doing dueling joe cocker imitations i'm assuming it's that same night it had so to be he might have been night. interacting with the cast. Then he, yeah, yeah. It's a small, it's a small studio. Right. But I, heard, the, from what I understood, the fight went down in Belushi's dressing room, and it, so then and maybe like, Billy was there for that because he was hanging out with Belushi. Oh. Well, I don't remember his name because it was also there were a couple guys who held him back. There was Brian Doyle Murray, and there was Belushi. Belushi was egging them on, trying to get them to fight. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's what I would have done. And then there were a couple guys who <laughs> held them apart. Maybe Billy was there. I don't know. Oh, that's exciting. Well, that that's would be good to know how, yeah. you know, or if he had interactions with Belushi. And, remember, and I was, of course, going to save this up uh, a little bit, but uh, you and I were there when he did We Didn't Start the Fire. Yes. Uh, we watched him. I was obviously waiting for the W's, but uh, <laughs> we were there, okay, we watched him my do list. the warm-up. Yes. That's amazing. It was unbelievable. Yeah. In fact, Danny and I were the multiple times we went. And I guess because we went to one of the after parties where we saw him. And that's where I also got into the fight with him because I was trying to get the the sports scores on the phone. And he was talking loudly to somebody else. And I had to tell him to shut up. <laughs> You're like, this is four ninety five a minute. Can you? Be yeah, quiet? exactly. <laughs> I was like, well, you keep it was like Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Like, I'm, I'm trying, trying to, to use, use the phone. phone. <laughs> 
Do you, also, I've been talking about how we've been talking about the triple in mm-hmm. uh, because next month after we finish the seas, we're having Sarah on because the three of us did code of silence together. Right. Uh, Danny would accompany me singing at this one place multiple times, let alone we did Allentown. So we were talking about that with the Allentown, the Ithaca song. Yes. Which I sang, <laughs> which I found in my old notebook. The words I had to explain what Mackie food was. We all oh eat Mackie God. food. At its top rate. <laughs> and then I had to explain to Elon what General Hospital was, because that was uh, remember, that was screams. I tell you, he, he couldn't possibly oh, understand. Yeah. No, no, you don't understand. General Hospital. <laughs> Half of our podcast has been explaining what General Hospital is and why it was so important to use in a lyric. And the Mike but, Douglas yeah. show. And then I told him, right, and the Mike Douglas show. <laughs> that was for which one was that for? That was recently where uh, we have for Angry Young Man. Oh, for Angry Young Man, right? We were talking because he played it on the Mike Douglas show. So yeah, I remember that one. Clips of the Mike Douglas show and how out of touch Mike Douglas was, where he has to cast a Star Wars. And he goes, "Now this picture, you got a robot going click, click, and boom, boom, <laughs> <laughs> and a Wookie." I know, but he got all of these big, big names to not just do a show with him. They would do a week of shows with him. That's what they I was would telling do you. A about. week of shows with a him. A week, right? Right. He told me a John Leno and Yo- John Lennon and Yoko for on a week. Uh, they did times. a week of one hour. They sat with him for an hour and did a fucking week. Oh my god! They lived in Philadelphia for a week. Yeah. I also remember with Danny coming coming with Billy Joel is that. I don't even think I probably even knew how much he liked Billy Joel. And I remember just, I, I don't know. I just ran into you at a concert once and you were there. Just, we just saw each other. Like, I, I don't know how we didn't know each other was going, but of course this is the day before cell phones and everything. And sure. you were just there and you were wearing the shirt and you were like, you know, like it was just really, of course you were there. And then of course we went to see him multiple times with uh, some of our comic friends. I like, weren't you there the Neil Brennan night and, yeah, that was in Worcester. Yeah, we went there. Yeah, Worcester. We went with Kevin Brennan, Neil Brennan, who you might know, actually, which Kevin would hate us for saying that you might know better than Kevin, which is not good. Kevin Brennan is a comedian, bought his 11-year-old kid with him, and uh, we influenced his entire career that evening by just uh, being really funny on the trip to see Billy Joel all the way in Worcester, Massachusetts. And tell him like, kid, when you're in this business, <laughs> let me explain the toughness of this business. You're going to have to do stuff you would never think of. And he thought that was really well, that's why Neil Brennan mentions you as one of his main influences in comedy. Yeah, I think it had no, something I to do that with that evening. That was yeah, a big yeah. Night. Wow. And uh, that him. time period, of course. But oh, but the, the best about Danny was every time, every single time, whenever we would do a song together, <laughs> he would end with the Hill Street Blues theme. Which of course Elon's not laughing because he doesn't understand. But I didn't uh, know any songs. <laughs> but also, Danny, you told me you could, and I and you proved it multiple times that you could really play any Billy Joel song. You were able to work well, your way through chords. I could fake the chords. Yeah, I got actually in the '90s when when I moved out to LA, I got a, 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 a piano. I got pretty good at everything. I got much better. But I have a piano here, but I started playing the ukulele like about 10 years ago. So I you were, yeah. want me to cut that out of the podcast? Or? Yeah, yeah, you can. Uh, <laughs> can you play Billy Joel songs on the ukulele? Yeah. Yeah I, I, yeah. I don't play too many. 
yeah, my my horizons have expanded a little bit <laughs> since then. But I had forgotten we had seen him live at SNL. Yep. I was trying to add up. I was trying to do all the times I've seen him live, and it's like a lot at Madison Square Garden. I can't quite remember the number. Nassau Coliseum, Rochester, New York, Worcester we did. Right. Philly I saw him in. Vegas, Hollywood Bowl, Dodger Stadium, Yankee Stadium I saw him in. SNL. And I, I went... I saw him address a college once. That's the best. That's when you see the, like, that's the master class stuff, right? No, no. He just did a graduation speech. Oh, shut up. I swear to God in like a hat. And I had seen him so many times that year. And I had always gotten up to the front whenever I had seen him that like, he kind of recognized me and was like, (laughs) that's awesome. (laughs) But one time I, I went to see him with Laura at Nassau Coliseum. We had these terrible shitty seats, like the nosebleeds. And it's a true thing. A, a roadie came by and said, you want to sit in the front row? And we we're like, yeah. And he switched our seats and we walked all the way down and we sat in the front row. And it was the best show ever. And he did that for everyone. Like he took out, he does that. So like, it's not all industry. So it's real right. fans in the front. And he still does it because I, I went to see him not too long ago. And I was close to the front, but the, I noticed the people in the two front rows were like, look, calling their friends like, yeah, we're here, you know, <laughs> so he still does that. That's a very cool thing. But that was really exciting. And we wrote him a note and threw it on the piano. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. You know, it was it was kind of cool. What, what, what was on the note? We said, <laughs> thanks. Thanks, front and center. Oh, man, that's so cool. <laughs> and there's a there's a making of that video where you can. They pull around to the back of that night was also they made it a videotape. But there's a, on the making of the video, you can see Laura and I in the like against the stage just for like, you know, two frames. But it's us. So would that be the bridge album or the Stormfront I, one? Or I don't know. I would think. Yeah, I'm going to say Stormfront. I'm going to go I with 1989, like 90. Stormfront. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, when, we, what, what was obviously, we're going to look for that video. We watch them all when we do every song. We we look at all the videos that are available. So, well, it's on the making of the Nassau Coliseum show in that whatever year that was, uh, and it's early on in the tape. You can see it. Yeah, we're going to find that. We, you know, we, we'll we've had success it. with finding people in the audience. One time, we found oh. um, there's a clip from David Letterman where Andy Kaufman was on, and Dave is in the audience of that episode where Andy <laughs> is hugging everyone in the crowd, and then there's Dave. Oh, that's great. The 1982 Jufro Dave Jusko. Uh, oh, that's the audience. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling Elon one time we were going out. I don't know where we're going, just to a bar. And you could have sworn you saw Liberty DeVito go by and then you ran after him. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember whether it was him or not. I don't remember that, but I do remember. <laughs> I guess it wasn't one him. Time, <laughs> we, one time we went to a bar and it was called Spodiote. Do you remember that? No. But Richie Canada's band was playing there. Were you there? I don't I could have sworn it was you. And we got very close to him where we could talk to him. And but we were just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we were so starstruck we couldn't talk to him. Was that? Were you there for that? I don't think so. I because I would have remembered the name of that bar. No, oh, is it in Manhattan? It was. I you know. What's your favorite Billy Joel song? <laughs> Oof. Oh. That's a real. It's the ultimate question. That's a real tough question. I'm getting very confused by doing this show because it keeps changing. Yeah. Yeah. Dave's current favorite is all you want to do is dance. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, there's it a is lot not. Great no, it's not. <laughs> well, there's a lot of deep cuts and stuff. My life is pretty significant because it's like got a call from an old friend. Used to be real. Couldn't go on the American. Sold the house. Now he gives him a stand-up routine in L.A. Right. So that one. I remember, and one time I went to see him and David Spade was nearby. And like, I remember like, I was really drunk and, and like on that line, I was like, Hey, that's us. You know? <laughs> yeah, whatever kid, you know? <laughs> so I don't, but I don't know. That's a, that's a real tough one. I, some, the stranger area is very good for me. The turnstiles album is very like New York state of mine is pretty significant. It's, it's hard to tell, but then there are a lot of deep cuts that are, well, we're just discovering or rediscovering them as we go through this program, which is really fun. The fun Half a Mile Away is a, is a great one. It's, it's on Glass Houses, and there were so many hits on that record, but it's one of the ones that never got play. I don't know if he ever does it live. It's good to go see him live. At the, have you seen him recently at the Garden? No, I never got to see any of those I saw him in yet. 2019 at the Garden. I saw him. I saw him at the. I think the last time he played there, I was passing through town, and it was February, right before the pandemic. And I went, and I didn't see the whole show. I saw the last half. But he does a lot of deep cuts, and he he does covers now. Like he'll do an Eagle song. Cool. And it's like, wow, that's fun. Okay. Yeah, he was doing Zeppelin songs when I was there. And then he'll bring somebody on. He usually brings on a guest. Well, something um, we were talking about, and I think it was during the Blonde Over Blue conversation, was that he could take a song like that and it it look it seems like new material if he breaks yeah. that out it seems like oh i you know if you're 25 you don't know that song so it's like so it seems like he's writing new songs because if he can go to the deeper cuts and kind of change them around it looks like he's actually recording new material which he hasn't done since 1994 for that stupid uh Oh, what's the one I hate, Elon? There's so many that you hate. No, the one with that that came out in 2007. Oh, all my life. All my life. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> his Tony Bennett I, song. I think even he knew that, that. That's why he was like, OK, let's never record ever again. <laughs> but he's pretty. Yeah. I, when you do go see him now, he says like yeah, he does do a bit about like I haven't written a song in 20 years or whatever. You know, thanks for coming out. I mean, he's I think he realizes. But that's the funny thing but with songwriters, even like Paul McCartney. It's hard to write great songs. Like in your 20s and 30s, you can write these hit songs. It's hard to do it in your 40s and 50s. It goes away. You know, why is that, do you suppose? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think Tom Petty was still doing it a little bit. Oh, I think but, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's difficult for others. Well, I don't know what, why what, that is. What do you think made him quit writing? I don't, I don't know if he did. He's probably still writing some stuff. But Are you saying that when he dies, we might get a treasure trove of stuff? Oh. He must have. He must have a whole bunch of stuff. You, you know, it doesn't end. You, you just because you say I don't, I'm not going to write any songs anymore. You're still writing songs. He was writing classical. I'm sure he's got some songs. But at this point in his career, it's like why? It's like getting me tooed at this point. You like if you're like 70, you made it through. Like why even? He's he's loved. He's Billy Joel. Why bother like trying to put out a few things? Because the press will be rough. And, you know, right. young people on Twitter will be like. But Danny, a long time ago, and I can't find this anywhere online, you told me that the last song on his albums uh, after a certain point, I think maybe starting with maybe starting with Glasshouse or his Nylon Curtain, I don't know, that the last song he writes is the last one in case he dies or doesn't stop doing albums. Where did you get that information from? 
It, it makes just, sense. That's just something I noticed, and it I, it started with it started with nylon curtain. It, it did start with okay. With where's the orchestra, right? To, with where? Yeah. In fact, the whole side two of of nylon curtain is like very heavy. It's like I lost my wife. I lost my band. I, you know, like this, like, <laughs> right, where's right. the orchestra? I lost my band. It was, and everything had changed in his life. And what was the last song on that one? Was it? I think it's where's the orchestra. Where's right? the orchestra. Yeah. 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 It, I think he, I don't know if he did it consciously or subconsciously, but after that, every. So that was your theory. Cause it's not anywhere online. Okay. So that's cool. So you made up that theory. I knew it. I think I was telling Elon, I'm like, I heard it from Danny Vermont, but I, I don't know where he got it from, but you made up the theory. It's a damn good theory. Cause like you said, after the nylon curtain, every last song is yeah. one. And, and what's the last one on the very last one is, I think I've said, I've said enough. I've said river enough. of dreams. Uh, so, famous last words. Famous, famous last, last words. words. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, I think he always had that in mind. And stuff. The other thing I think I said first was that Piano Man is a limerick set to a waltz. And I told that to somebody who knows Billy Joel. And then I heard Billy Joel say it. So I always wondered, Ooh. like, did Billy get that from me or did he he wrote the song? He probably already knew that. Himself. No, I think he got it from you. I think he got that. I think from you me have a lot. Of, I think you influence each other. <laughs> We've, yeah. Everyone always said every Billy Joel biography I read mentions you. Well, I think moving outtakes would be a good name for an album. Bloopers <laughs> yeah. and for me, I was. Uh, but all of that stuff's on the internet now, anyway. All of the stuff that you used to go to a record store and buy a bootleg on a cassette tape, you can go online and it's all there. Well, yeah, like we found a song "Bye Bye," which was an outtake from Cold Spring Harbor, never released. And there's two YouTube videos of it with about a thousand views total. So What's very, it? very I've never rare. seen that one. Bye bye. Yeah, there's got to be. Bye bye. Where is my lady? It's uh, the parentheses called because I think the I think whoever put it up said just named the song. I don't even know whether it was a name. Right. Yeah, he's. I, I liked it. Elon didn't care for it. Well, you know, I think if he, you know, you arrange something like that and then you put it out after you die. Right. You, you arrange it before you die, and then you put it out after you die. You know, that's why we're always waiting. We, uh, you and I always talk about how we're waiting for the outtakes of Annie Hall. You know, we got to wait until this guy dies so we can see it. <laughs> well, you know, it, it was a, a murder mystery at the beginning. So uh, like Manhattan there is, murder mystery, right? That's a, it, I guess that it's, it's part of that or like that. I don't know. So uh, I got to see that footage. Is there actual footage? I don't know. Uh, that's interesting. I would love to see that footage. Yeah, I would too. love to see that footage. I wanted to go back to something you just said earlier. You mentioned yeah. how with songwriters, they seem to be able to write great music in their 20s and 30s, and then they sort of lose that. Do you feel like there's similar stuff in comedy? Is comedy writing the same way where you feel like as you're getting older, it's becoming harder or you're able to maintain? That's a good question. No, the, <clears throat> it's the opposite. You get better. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> Well, that's also a case by case basis, too. And I'm not talking about if you're talking about comedy or stand up comedy, like somebody like Chevy Chase, who isn't very funny anymore at all. Or, uh, you know, that's but true. then but then there's people that are hilarious when they get older, like Rodney Dangerfield and yeah, and no, myself. Somebody, yeah. <laughs> Hello. I guess I was more talking about writers as a writer. I feel like jokes, the stuff that I write is so much tighter because you get really I don't know. I feel as a stand-up, I still do stand-up. I feel I've gotten better because, you know, when you're young, sometimes you you write a good joke, but you you're not talented enough to tell it right, or you know, you do you don't mm -hmm. you're one's ahead of the other one. I think when you get older, you learn all the little tricks 
of doing stand-up. There's not that many of them. Then you can relax. And also, when you get to be my age, it doesn't matter anymore. It's like I, I did a thing and it was like there was a bunch of industry there. I'm like, I don't care. They all hate me anyway. All, they passed on me years ago. You know what I mean? So I like I have a good time. I know exactly what you mean. I don't yeah. think Elon understands. Yeah. So, yeah. I still uh, get nervous by industry. So, yeah. And no, for our I, listeners, I, I when you're know, talking but, about. But also, I, I, I can see where there is a burnout thing. I mean, like when you like I've been writing for Bill, like. I added all that up for like 23 years, you know, on and off over the years. It gets it gets hard to do the same exact thing over and over again. You know what I mean? That that one is like, yeah, it's it's a little hard to it get. You know, it's like working on the assembly line where you have to. Well, you yeah. must be so good you, at it by now. All day. You but probably you do don't get, have to be there all day. You probably can leave at lunchtime. Like I'm finished. I know what he wants. <laughs> no, no, no. It takes it all. It takes a long time. It takes a lot of time to no, I know it write all the assignments me. for him. No, I think I think writers get better. I don't know why musicians fall off that way. I'm not sure what that is. Maybe it's the and image I, they need to portray as rock stars of being like young and virile and reckless. And as they get older, it becomes less credible. Yeah, because yeah, they're probably all like. Also, when you're young, you're like you get high on drugs and. But also, like, when you're really young, like, your first album is, like, 20 years worth of material. That's why the second album always sucks. Right. Because you took 20 years to write the first one, and then you get six months to write Wait, the second Here's something we were talking about, Billy Joel, where, you know, what was the song, Elon, that we were talking about on Turnstile's uh, Angry Young Man? It was Angry Young Man. Yeah, right. And we're talking about that this is a, it's a goddamn masterpiece with the prelude and the Angry Young Man. I mean, it's a real masterpiece. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And normally for a musician, that's it. He wrote the masterpiece. It's Angry Young Man. Then this guy comes out with another album. He does scenes from an Italian restaurant. I'm like, wait a minute. He just topped himself. And then, and then, and then he puts out 52nd Street, which wins it all. And then Glass yeah. House, like the guys never faltered. That yeah, an and his debut album good. wasn't his big album. It took him many, many albums before he hit that peak. So he had a later peak in his career than most. Yeah, really, it's amazing that Turnstiles didn't blow up for him. I think it wasn't produced that well. But when you, it had Angry Young Man, it had New York State of Mind. Yeah, you know what Say I mean. Goodbye to Hollywood. Let Say goodbye. My, yeah, I mean, my favorite song, Summer Highland Falls. Summer Highland Falls, which was a B cut. That's always great to see him do live. He does that live. Yeah, uh, still. All you want to do is dance on there. Well, but there were, uh, I mean, <laughs> that album was gigantic. It, that it's a, it's a miracle. That one didn't explode. That's the and one now, I was. And I yeah, found it out peaked that at 122 on the charts. It's crazy, but it wasn't produced that well. It was before he got with Phil Ramone and also the cover. I figured it out. It was the, I went back and figured out where a lot of the covers of his albums were taken. Like uh, that's Astor place. Subway uh, yeah. on that one. And I found the place where they shot the 52nd Street uh, cover, but it's not there anymore. They tore it down and there's a big building there. Oh. But it was like, yeah. Yeah, we uh, were looking at the place for a matter of trust where they shot that video. Yeah, on St. Mark's Place. Yeah, what is it right. now you said, Elon? It's, it's like a, a gourmet grocery store. Oh. oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I have to know, uh, working on real time, Number one, is Bill Maher a Billy Joel fan? Number two, have you come across any other celebrities who you know of as Billy Joel fans? You know what? I don't know if there's a lot of, Bill, you know, Billy Joel's not that popular out here. 
You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's strange and it's almost like a little weird thing. Bill is a very big, he's a huge Beatles fan, gigantic Beatles fan. And he loves Steely Dan. He likes a lot of music, but Bill was, you know, the Beatles were everything to Bill. I don't know how he feels about Billy Joel and stuff. I don't even know if he's that into Springsteen. He's from Jersey. And who else? Who would I know that likes Billy Joel? Oh, David Spade. I always see David Spade at, at Billy Joel shows. Uh, he goes to everything. He goes to McCartney. He's always up front. Spade likes to go. <laughs> well, yeah, we know, we know how. It, he'd be furious if he wasn't. He, he'd probably walk out if he wasn't up front. You know, he's that type of guy that's like, wait, if I'm not getting the VIP treatment, I'm not going. <laughs> it's him and all the fans they brought from the back row. <laughs> yeah. Which well, is odd because he's a Phoenix guy. Like, you know, I've noticed the people that like Billy Joel that I know, like you, and um, we're going to have Alex Sulkin on. Yeah, you know, from Family Guy, he's a huge fan too. All from East Coast, you know. Yeah, it's usually from- East Coast guys because it was very, and also it's Billy Joel like sums up my high school. Like if I like the Stranger album, any song off of that, I think of high school. Yeah, that, I mean that. I mean that album really, really blew up. That was the big album for him. Scenes from an Italian restaurant is just gigantic. It's sick. Out. Like I said, you come up with angry young man. You're like, well, that's it for this guy. You know, he doesn't have anything left in the tank. And then it just, just goes sick. You know? Yeah. And no, he, had again, a, he had again to have. I don't know many artists who have an album like The Stranger, which was which was ridiculous. I and, mean, and to top it with 52nd Street in the sense of winning it all in a Grammy of album that of was the year. You, that was huge, too. And then Glass Houses after that. Yeah. 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 And, you know, One, the two, three. About- and then um, an innocent man was also nominated for best album, but it's which is very impressive, right? And also that one came out very quickly. He wrote that very quickly. He was in love. He was in yeah. love. It's, it's it's all you know. He it's Christy. Yeah, he was inspired. You know, so he wrote. I could it. see myself. I think I would be writing songs like that if uh, you know Christy Brinkley in the eighties liked me yeah, totally. Oh, <laughs> if she just even like liked me like. Like if she even said, I think that Dave Jessica is funny. I think I would inspire me to write music. <laughs> you you would write songs about her if she just, if she touched your leg on the subway by accident. If she just said two, two, two Mississippis with the touch, uh, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I would be all in. That's why we were saying it with, uh, and so it goes, which we found what, that's what it was, right? Elon, which we found was written about El McPherson, right? Where I'm like, look at this guy. He breaks up with El McPherson, which most guys would be like, what? But he's like, hey, and so it goes. Because then he makes <laughs> up with uh, Christy Brinkley. He's like, you know how it is, fellas. Hey. <laughs> I once got a hold of a bootleg of him, like playing like like Lincoln, Nebraska or something. And it's the, it's the time when he's like uh, going out with Christy Brinkley. And, he's, and he says to the audience, he's like, uh, Hey, what, what time is it, guys? What time is it? And then I'm talking about that. I said, oh, because, you know, my girlfriend's on TV tonight. It's best when you're already like that popular and stuff, but you're you're just so into dating. That's right. That's so funny. Yeah. I but would, also, you know, the thing about thanks. Billy, Billy has a pretty good stand up act now, too. He has a, a whole bunch of jokes that he and bits and things that routines they'll you know he always did because like uh, in the old days he did the impressions the impressions trying to fill time and you know and all of that stuff but at this point he's got a lot of bits about like for each song and it's 
something has improved. Like when I was young and we used to go see like a, a rock show, you could hear the music, but you couldn't hear them talk. When they talked, it'd be like, well, what did he say? But now you can hear what they're saying. So it's really good. You know, he has he has bits. Billy well, I was going to say when we did Big Shot, when we saw the video, we're just like, he's a funny guy. I mean, he's. I think that's why I liked him. And that's probably why you liked him is that even though for me before we, you know, before videos and stuff, for me, it was only the good die young. I had it on a 45 and played it nonstop. Right. And I've never heard a song like that in my life. That was so rocking and cool. And, and then, what a great message. Yeah. And then and he dressed um, like comedian. He he wore the thin tie. Yeah, the, the thin tie and the jacket the all the time. And, yeah, he dressed but then, like a but, comedian. But all those videos, like Big Shot and All for Lena, he's just having a good time and he never took anything serious. And right. that probably is why we also like him too, because he's very funny. And then he wasn't you, classic looking, you know, as a rock star. No, he though. looked he looked more like a comedian. You know, he didn't really look like a singer. And I don't know if you rem remember going into Dangerfields. Remember that club, Dangerfields? Did you yeah, of course. On the wall, there were all, all these pictures of Rodney in his bathrobe, and there was one with him and Billy. <laughs> right from Easy Money times, uh, for the yeah. So right, from, I mean, because they, they switched off. He did the soundtrack to Easy Money, and he was in the Teller about a video. That's right. I that's love right. that time period. It made me wow. so happy. They're two of my favorite people in the whole world. Right, but it was just always so great to see like. Just what I, you know, just I'm like, oh, Billy's with Rodney. Of course, it makes it total, all made sense. It, exactly. it makes total I sense. Agree a hundred percent. And then also, I, you know, if you think about that time period, I mean, I think people like that were doing a lot of cocaine back then. We were kids. We didn't even know it existed then. But you know, yep. in the, I'm sure there was a lot of, you know, Rodney. I think was pretty famous. And Billy. yeah, yeah. Wait, what, Elon? Was you the one that just told me that cocaine story? Yeah, should we should we tell it with the names changed? Do well, we I'll to... tell it to you. It's a funny cocaine story. A restaurant owner in the early oh, right, 90s. Right, with the names changed. Right, right. I yeah. don't remember. Yeah. Well, he, he said that Billy Joel used to come into his restaurant and he would and this guy would have a singer on stage. This lady would sing. And in between sets, Billy would go with her into the bathroom. They would do some coke and then they'd come out and she wouldn't be able to sing anymore. So finally, one day, the owner said to Billy before he was going to go grab her again. Like, no, 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 just stay away from her. I need her to sing. I'm paying her to sing. And Billy never came back to the restaurant again. <laughs> that guy loves to party. Yeah. <laughs> you got to respect that. We so, do. Uh, I think that's the other reason why we like him so much. The guy loves the, the guy chose partying over writing songs. You got to respect that. He's like, who's that? Elon, who's that football player who chose weed over being in the NFL for the Saints? Oh, Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams. <laughs> the, the, who, who's the guy that, that won the Super Bowl for the Bears? Uh, Mike Dicka used up all his draft picks to get this guy. And they're like, you can't smoke pot anymore. He's like, excuse me. And he gave up the NFL just to smoke weed. Just to <laughs> yeah. make Dicka look ridiculous. But even before Billy Joel stopped, we were, we were saying the other episode, I think it was during oh, during Angry Young Man, just how good he is performing live, even though he looks so out of shape. Like even now he can play some of his songs so well, even though he doesn't look like a real fit guy anymore. And that's why oh, we no. call him the Babe Ruth of music because it looks like he can eat hot dogs and then just show up on game day. Yeah, because between Angry Young Man and what's that other high end? Oh, and Big Shot with him running around and getting on the piano going, he should be thinner. Well, he stopped doing that, you know, he, but back in the day, he's not a tall guy. He's, he's kind of, you know, he's short, so it, that doesn't help. He started running around on Big Shot. The reason why he's, he wrote Glass Houses the way he did, he wanted to run around more. 
Like that so was he the wanted first more time. rock songs to run he around to be a front man. That's right. He wanted. Yeah. He never got up from the piano until Big Shot. That was the first time he ever got up and was like, oh, I can get up and run around. Ooh. And but no, he used to when I used to see him, it was amazing. He used to run around, jump off the piano, climb up the, the wiring and stuff Do like all that. that stuff in a jacket and tie and never, ever took it off. Like he there's no. never anything with him wearing no shirt or even a T-shirt. I mean, it's fascinating that, you know, all these rock stars, that's what they do at the end. They got to take their shirt off. And he never did, which is, of course, is the right move. But I'm just saying it's uh, you know, fascinating. He was able to get all sweated up like that in a jacket and tie and then still be able to play at all. I'd be a mess. Yeah, no, I mean, he's definitely one of a kind. Also, when you're doing it for that long, you get really, really good at it. And your crew gets good at it. That's your that's your working out. Yeah. But the other thing that amazes me is, and not just with Billy, but with all of these, like, as you talk about, they write a song in the, you know, in their thirties or their twenties, not only is it really good, it never changes. Like they get it right the first time. Cause that's the main thing. We should have a sound cue whenever we name a Billy Joel song. <laughs> <laughs> that's when the audience drinks, drinks a shot. <laughs> I think Judy Gold, Judy Gold does that on her podcast. She has a bell every time somebody mentions the word Jew. <laughs> that's Even good. in her own name? Yep. Oh, that's good. Funny. Well, I thank you so much for uh, taking your very busy schedule. I know how busy you are and the time out today to talk to us. Oh, I really I'm appreciate happy to do it. it. Happy to do it. And after we get further along, we'd like to have you back again. Yeah, call me later on on the alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what letter's so, good for you? <laughs> well, if you find out what your favorite song is, you know, if you think about it, because yeah, again, I'll think about that some more. Our first guest was this guy, Christopher Bananas, who works in the New York, uh, what is it? New, York New York Magazine. And he ranked all 121 Billy Joel songs. So we use it every week. And uh, we are fascinated by his ranking. If you ever want to do that, <laughs> we would go by oh, your rank okay. as well. So I'll rank them all in order. Rank them all in order. That's why we really gave it to this guy with all well, my maybe life. Maybe I'll do that for next. Maybe I'll do that for next time. It's a. It took him three months to put it together. Oh. So <laughs> it's a lot of. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of work. He put a lot of time into it. But then we were on what his was the, case. What was the last one? Say Tetois. We don't know. We're not. No, it. No, actually, <laughs> uh, we were just talking about that today. That was in the nineties, I believe. One oh nine. A 109. That's so right. So near the bottom. Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're not looking. We like to be, we like to find out as we sure. go. It's exciting. Sure. But we gave him shit for all my life being 12 and innocent man being five. And we're, and oh, we're yeah. yelling at it, the guy. This is the last you know time we had a guest on. We're like, how could you possibly think that? <laughs> and he had all for Lane like way too low. He, there was a few things that were uh, weird. But but then you know that's what that's the fun of the list and everybody's things. And then we also even asked him like, are you doing it to be controversial so people will talk about it? He goes, no, I don't think anybody cares except you guys. And I'm like, well, yeah, I suppose you're right. So. <laughs> But yeah, the rankings is great. But anyway, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Nice yes. to meet you. You too, Danny. Thanks so much for being here. This has been the Billy Joel A to Z podcast. I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. Tune in next time for more Billy Joel A to Z. Billy Joel A to Z.